Ah, yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. Verses 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then he answers, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So if you're serious about your walk with God and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word line upon line. Isaiah chapter 59 and the Q&A. Our Heavenly Father, we pause, Lord, just to praise you. We just thank you, Father. There, is so many, there are so many reasons to be thoroughly discouraged as we look at what's happening in the world today, and so many people are thoroughly discouraged. And yet, Father, despite the world falling apart around us, we are filled with joy, we are filled with hope, we are filled with anticipation of the return of Jesus Christ and the setting of all things right and, and just the glory that will be revealed in us through him. We thank you, Father. We thank you that there, there is a, a powerful and profound solution to all the problems that we see in the world and all the problems that are coming upon your people. We praise you. We thank you. We ask, Father, that you'll increase our understanding and deepen our faith as we study the words of the ancient prophet Isaiah. We thank you, Lord, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are up to Isaiah chapter 59. Uh, so let's begin in 58. Actually, I just want to go back uh, to a couple of verses just to give us context for what we're going to study this evening. In uh, chapter 58, where we were last week, God says to his prophet, cry aloud. He says, cry aloud, uh, spare not. Now we know that uh, we... That the prophet is dead and these these prophecies are for they're eschatological they're for the end time and so the burden will fall upon those of us who understand the prophets and who are going to proclaim their words not ours we're going to proclaim their words and he says to cry aloud and spare not at the same time we know that there are prophecies that tell us that the 
time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And so as we are crying aloud, even our own people are going to be fatigued. It's like enough already. And in fact, in Isaiah, I believe it's in chapter 29, he says, you know, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Preach to us smooth. We only want to hear smooth things. And yet there are, there are very rough things in the prophets. And if we love the word of God, then we love these rough things because it's the word of God. And so we will not shy away from it. We want the whole truth and nothing but the truth unless we are not fully in alignment with God. And then we become fatigued and we don't want to hear this anymore. So let's, let's, let's check ourselves and make sure that we are with the prophets and we are going to cry aloud and spare not. He says, cry aloud, spare not. <clears throat> and he says, uh, lift up your voice like a trumpet. So again, this is God knows we're entering this age of political correctness where you can't say this and you can't say that. And God doesn't care. And we shouldn't care. If you have the truth, you speak the truth without apology, boldly, courageously. So cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression. So the focus here is God's people. We need to know who God's people are. And we need to understand what their transgression is. And we need to, without apology, show them their transgression. Now, who is, you know, Isaiah is focused on Jerusalem primarily, and certainly on Judah. And in chapter one, we saw that very clearly, that this is the vision of Isaiah concerning Judah and Jerusalem. But here in this chapter now, the focus broadens to Israel. And he says, show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So this is not just Judah, and that's primarily uh, the people in Israel today, but not exclusively. Uh, Judah is spread all over. Judah is in Canada, Judah is in America, Judah is in Britain, Judah is all over the world. And so the, the prophecies of Isaiah concerning Judah concern Judah all over the world. But then there are prophecies in Isaiah, many, concerning Jerusalem specifically. And so we need to be very clear about what, what the prophet is pointing to. Jerusalem, Judah, and now we see the house of Jacob, all 12 tribes. So we need to know where these people are in order to show them their sins. Dropping down to verse 3, they have a complaint. They're like, why, why have we bothered even fasting? So they're, they're, they're fasting, they're trying to be religious, and they're discouraged. Why have we bothered fasting, they say and you don't see. So God is not responding to them. They're fasting and they're not getting any response from God. Why have we fasted, say they, and you don't see? Why have we afflicted our soul and you take no knowledge? And then God answers, behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. So you're not serious. In the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. So instead of fasting and giving your servants uh, the opportunity to, to rest, you are very focused on your own pleasure and you're demanding your people to work on the Sabbath. To, 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 uh, there's no mercy for them. So this kind of fasting is hypocritical. So with that as context, we come now into chapter 59. And I just want to pause here for a minute. I'm just having a little bit of background noise. And I just want to check what that is. Okay, so hopefully that is 
better now. I'm just hearing, just hearing a little bit of background noise there. So he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Now this is in the context. I'm just not sure what that is. I apologize if you're hearing some background noise. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So this is in response to crisis. So there's a crisis and they're appealing for help in this crisis and they're not getting any help whatsoever. And the, the, the prophet Isaiah is explaining, it's not because the Lord's hand is shortened. He can reach you, he just chooses not to. And, and neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. So he hears you, and he can reach you, but he refuses to answer. So this is in a time of great crisis, verse 2. But your iniquities, so this is the explanation. So it's not that he can't reach you, and it's not that he can't hear you. It's that your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So he sees perfectly what the situation is. He sees the slaughter. He sees the crisis that you're in. And he refuses to hear you. And he refuses to help you. And the reason why is because of your iniquities. So this is, this is what we have to explain to the people of Israel. And you, because of your sins, he's hid his face from you. So Micah also prophesied to Israel. And Micah says the exact same thing. In Micah 3, verse 1, he says, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob. So, so there's, there's a leadership crisis. He's speaking to the heads of Jacob. And he's saying, Please listen to me, you princes of the house of Israel. So again, Isaiah broadens his prophetic word to include all Israel. And Micah is speaking to all Israel. And the leadership specifically in Israel. Is it not for you to know judgment? If you're going to, to govern the nation of Israel, shouldn't you know judgment? Who hate the good and love the evil. So this is a strange thing that these, these, these leaders, and it's not just, uh, again, it's not just Jerusalem. It is Israel. And we need to understand who the nations of Israel are. Which nations have a Judeo-Christian root? A Judeo-Christian Judeo foundation. Which nations are experiencing tremendous prosperity and wealth and are now finding that this is being stripped away from them? Well, the, God has an issue with the leadership of these nations because he says they hate the good and they love the evil. They pluck off their skin from off them. So this is terrible. This is, uh, you know, it, <laughs> there is some great evil in the world. They pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. So I initially would read this as metaphorical. Although when you uncover some of the sins and the evil of these leaders in the nations of Israel, this, I see where it could actually, God could be speaking literally, that there are some very evil things happening in our world. But here he says they, they take their flesh from off these victims. And he says, who also eat the flesh of my people. 
And, and again, I would say that this is metaphoric language, except for all of these things that are being uncovered now, and these horrible uh, situation of spirit cooking and pedophilia and pedivores. Uh, it's horrific. And, and you know, you look at Epstein Island and these leaders in Israel constantly flying to Epstein Island. This, this is horrendous. And of course, the media is silent about these things because these are mega corporations that are all mixed in. They're all, they're all colluding together. And so they choose what they'll report on and what they'll focus on, and they choose what they won't report on and what they won't focus on. So he says here, uh, who also eat the flesh of my people and flay, and so Mike, Mike is saying this, they flay their skin from off them and break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. I'm telling you, I would read this and think that it's metaphoric language, except for all the revelations that are coming out now around these elite people and what they actually do. And so I'll, I'll leave that for you. Hopefully you're doing your own research as well. He says, then shall they cry unto the Lord. So they're doing this wickedness. Calamity comes upon them. And then they cry unto the Lord. When this evil that God has orchestrated to punish them for this wickedness, it comes upon them. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them. Exactly what Micah said. Uh, sorry, exactly what Isaiah said. Micah is saying the exact same thing. They see the same thing. That these wicked leaders of Israel, uh, as they engage in this wickedness, they think it's going to last forever and tomorrow will be just like today, only we'll be wealthier. And they don't understand the evil that God is preparing for them. And when that evil comes upon them, then they cry out to the Lord, but he hides his face and he turns his face away from them. And, and they, they understand why they're fasting and they're pleading and they wonder why he can't reach them. He chooses not to reach them. He wants them to go through this punishment so that they'll be led to repentance. So then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them. So it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved out of it eventually. At the, he will hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. And, and we, you know, this week we had the Mueller report finally come out and it's just uh, two years of persecution and harassment of the U.S. president, and it was all based on lies and falsehood. Back to Isaiah 59 and verse 3. For your hands are defiled with blood. This is the situation of the leadership in Israel that unfortunately, and we saw it in Micah, we were seeing it again in Isaiah, that these are not nice people. In fact, let's just be frank. These are evil people. The leaders in Israel are evil people. And God describes them that their hands are defiled with blood. And we only need to look at the recent legislation around abortion and their joy and, and celebration around infanticide and third term abortion to see these are wicked people. Their hands are defiled with blood. And so they just murder, they just, anybody, they just want power. And anybody who stands in their way, they remove them and they don't care. Your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Oh, yes, they have. Fake news. It's just a constant lying, constant deception. It's nonstop lying. It's to the point where we've gotten used to it. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any pleads for truth. They don't care about truth. 
when, when, when the so again, if we, in America as an example, the Mueller report comes out, and this I didn't find any collusion. Well, that's not good enough. Go and find. You have to find something. It's not like there were, a crime was committed, and then we need to do an investigation. No, it's we've chosen a target, and just keep digging until you find something. That's that's the world we live in today because we we cannot be out of power. How dare this person come in and interrupt our dynasty? So get rid of him and turn the whole world against him and paint him as a demon and accuse him of the very things that we are doing. But don't report on what we do. Just make up all these myths. It's a horrible world that we live in. And it's just demonstrating power hunger, the hunger and the desire for power and the unwillingness to let it go. So none calls for justice. They don't want justice, nor any pleads for truth. They're not interested in truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. That's all they do. And, and this is just going to increase. It's going to get worse and worse as Satan ramps up his, his end time uh, playbook. So they speak lies. They conceive mischief. So they're colluding. They're conspiring. And, and they're actually conceiving mischief. And they bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs. So cockatrice would be like a viper, a snake. And so this is what they're doing. They're hatching cockatrice eggs and they weave the spider's web. He that eats of their eggs dies. So these eggs are just full of poison. They're full of venom. And anybody that eats of these eggs will die. And that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. So there is this horrible situation where what they are, the fruit of what they're doing, it's destruction. It kills people. And those eggs that they, the people think, oh, this is food, let me eat it. It's like, a, you know, I'm hungry, I think I'll have it. It's a viper's egg. And those eggs that get crushed, the vipers actually break free and begin to destroy. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. So this is, this is God is saying, this is the fruit of your doing. It's not going to work out for you. So your webs are not going to be useful to you. Neither shall you be able to cover yourselves with your works. Their works are works of iniquity. So their, their works will be exposed. And the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. This is, this is a terrible situation. They have no regard for truth, no regard for justice, no regard for, for the, the, the people that they rule over. In fact, they're enthusiastic about committing evil. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. It's, it's a, a sport to them. And what this is saying is there will be no regard for human life. And that is something that we are not used to in the West. In the West, there is this sense, it's sort of built into the fabric of society, it's built into the foundation of society, that all human life is precious. And we are moving away from that. I remember as a young man, I would just think like, if somebody's lost at sea, all the resources that are marshaled to go out and save that person. It's like, wow, you wouldn't think like, oh, well. No, they really care because there's this sense that man is created in God's image and every man is valuable. And in fact, this, speak, this explains why slavery was abolished in Western civilization. Because, it was the, because of the Christian conscience and because of Christians reading the Bible and saying, no, all men are equal. And it's not right that we should treat human, fellow human beings this way. And so slavery was abolished in the West. 
it was not abolished thoroughly in the East. I, mean, I think in the 1960s, uh, maybe 1962, Saudi Arabia finally abolished slavery because of the international pressure that was on them. So on paper, they abolished it because of coercion. But they continue to practice it to this day. And the, the Arabic slave trade was far more brutal than the Atlantic slave trade, the Western slave trade. It was far more brutal. They've never apologized for it. And for some reason, they get a pass. And everybody's like, we want reparations to, to, to America and to England. And, and we, you know, we demand that you feel, and we're terrible, it's horrible that we were once enslaved. Hey, it's over. It's over. Because of Christianity, it's over. Because of the Christian conscience that all men are created equal, it's over. There is no such conscience in the Middle East. All men are not created equal. That there are those who submit to Allah, they are human beings, and then everyone else are kafirs. They are beings that Allah hates, and Allah wants to destroy. He wants to subjugate them, humiliate them, and destroy them. And they're not equal. And, and this is what's happening in our society. We're moving away from the Christian ethic. And, and, and from that comes the concept that justice is blind. That it doesn't matter who you are. What, what happened? Okay. Yeah, we established the crime. This is the judgment. And then we open our eyes and who is it? Oh, it doesn't matter who it is. Because justice is blind. The law must be uh, applied to all people equally. Not so where we're heading. Where you just see in the news this week with Jesse Smollett. He just gets a pass. It's clear evidence of the 16 felonies that he committed. And he should be going to jail. And suddenly all charges are dropped. Because he's got connections. And so justice is not applied equally. He's got black privilege. He's got gay privilege. We've got to understand this concept of postmodernism and cultural Marxism. And if you don't understand that, I actually gave two sermons. And please uh, email me, adriandavis at cgicanada.org. If you haven't heard these sermons or you don't understand what postmodernism is or what cultural Marxism is, one sermon is called The Search for Patient Zero, and the other is Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. So if you haven't heard those sermons or you don't understand what postmodernism is and what cultural Marxism is and what's happening to our society, please reach out to me, Adrian Davis at cgicanada.org, and I'll send you those sermons. But we're heading into a time in the Israelite countries where human life is no longer valuable and there's a two-tier system and if you're not in the right tier your life means nothing and so they make haste to shed innocent blood their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity wasting and destruction are in their past and I certainly hope today I mean when this this whole thing started to come out and there was this movement black lives matter and black Christians were getting behind it I hope today we all understand how filthy and how evil this movement is and how corrupt the founders of this movement are. And we should wash our hands of it and have nothing to do with it. It is wickedness. It is iniquity. And for a Christian to support Black Lives Matter, this is of the devil. And I hope we, maybe when it first came out, we could be hoodwinked. But by now, we should see what it is. We should see it for what it is. And we should not be involved. We should be, we should be declaring the sinfulness of these things rather than, getting, rather than supporting them and participating in them. He says, their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace 
They don't know. They talk a good game. They talk about peace. But Isaiah says that the way of peace they don't know. So all of their rhetoric, all of their efforts, it, they, they don't understand what leads to peace. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. That's what they've done. These are very, very crooked people. And they, they, they talk a good game, but there, there's no judgment in their goings. They have crooked paths. Whosoever goes therein shall not know peace. These are wicked people. And, and this passage is actually quoted by the Apostle Paul, where he says, Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. He's quoting Isaiah. And all of this goes back to the law. In Deuteronomy, innocent blood should not be shed in your land, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance, and so blood be upon you. So we are violating this law. And so blood is going to be upon us. That innocent blood should not be shed. And these people just don't care. They're so power hungry. And again, we don't have to look far. We just have to look over the, the 20th century. And what did socialism bring us? What did communism bring us? A hundred million souls slaughtered. This utopia, we're gonna usher in communism and, and all people will be equal. Yeah, they'll be equally slaughtered, except for the elite. And yet we are running to socialism again. We hate America, we hate Canada, we hate the Western civilization, we hate Christianity, we want communism, we want socialism. Are we, are we crazy? Are we not studying history? And, and you know, <laughs> we have, Iran is a great model. If we study Iran, it was the Communist Party of Iran that helped the Muslims, helped the Ayatollah come to power. And his first order of business, he cooperated with them, he colluded with them, they helped him. And as soon as he came back to Iran and came, back and came into power, number one priority, slaughter all the communists. So these postmodernists, these cultural Marxists that are trying to destroy Western civilization and are doing a very good job and are colluding with this Islamic force, they don't understand what they're playing with. They don't understand what, how powerful this ideology is. And, and for 1400 years, they're unwilling to study the history of what it has done over 1400 years. So God is preparing a sword for these people. So he says here that um, there, should be no, there, there should be no innocent blood shed. That way blood is not upon you. In the Proverbs, he says, my, so this is instruction to us. My son, walk you not in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path. So again, I'm going to warn our black brethren. Don't walk with these people, these filthy, filthy people. Black lives matter. Do not walk with them. Refrain your foot from their path. Black lives matter, Antifa, these feminists, the LGBTQ community, they're all colluding together. Don't participate with them. Refrain your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil. This is what Isaiah is telling us. This is what Micah is telling us. This is what's in their mind and in their heart. Their feet run to evil as long as it enriches them. And they make haste to shed blood. This is in the scriptures. Surely in vain the, the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So while they're doing this, God is preparing a great evil that is going to come upon them. 
So they don't realize that what they're planning for others, it's actually going to come upon their own head. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which takes away the life of the owners thereof. Proverbs 3, my son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep, your, keep my commandments. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. This is how we can know the way of peace. Her ways are of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. This is why it's impossible, despite the wonderful rhetoric that comes out of these people's mouths, the, the previous president of the United States, the current prime minister of Canada, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, the Prime Minister of uh, England, all these leaders in the Western nations, they're all, they all talk a good game of peace and it sounds wonderful and it's impossible because they don't understand what leads to peace. We, on the other hand, must understand, get wisdom, get understanding, fear the Lord, follow his paths, follow the scriptures. Her, her paths are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Back to Isaiah. 59 verse 9 therefore so now that the people realize or, or i should say there is a segment in israel that have come to understand why this is all happening and these people say this is why judgment is far from us therefore is judgment far from us neither does justice overtake us we wait for light but behold obscurity so they become they, they come to realize now what is the cause of their problems. Why, why are they suffering like this? And they say, you know what? We brought this on ourselves. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. And I don't know if you've ever gotten up in the night or something and it's really dark, or maybe you've lost power and you have to move around your house or your, your apartment, your dwelling, and you just, you have to grope. You're trying to find the wall because if you can find the wall, that might help you uh, get somewhere. But if you don't have a wall, you have no idea what you're going to step over or step in or fall over. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. Very good assessment. We stumble at noonday. In the middle of the day, we're stumbling as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. So something has happened to Israel. And there's no help for them. And they have no idea why. They have no idea where to, where to go for help. We roar all like bears. So this is a great cry that's coming from God's people. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there's none. We're looking for salvation, but it's far off from us. They just can't find the help that they're looking for. He says... <clears throat> So if we go to Lamentations now, so this same situation, uh, Jeremiah speaks of it and how it has plagued Judah. Zion spreads forth her hands and there is none to comfort her. So again, it's this time of great crisis and they're calling out to their God. But his hand, and his hand is not shortened. If he wants to, he can help them, but he refuses. Zion spreads forth her hands and there is none to comfort her. So there's something has gone terribly wrong. Zion spreads forth her hands, and there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries should be round about him. Are you wondering why we're having in the Western nations this constant migration and, and crisis with illegal aliens? That's what we used to call them, illegal aliens. Now they're called uh, dreamers and undocumented 
uh, and our Prime Minister says it's irregular travelers. But this is the Lord is preparing. The sword is on the land. And somebody has to tell Jacob, the sword is on the land. And so God has commanded this. This is the Lord's doing. He's preparing a great evil. He has commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries, his enemies, should be round about him. Jerusalem is as a menstruous woman among them. And we know that the prophecy is that Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies. God has commanded this, that he's, he's fed up with his people. And so he's raising up the Chaldeans to come and slaughter his people. And so Habakkuk was wondering, God, why aren't you doing something about all the injustice that's in the nation? And God's saying, I, I am doing something. Look out among the heathen, and I'm raising up that bitter and hasty nation to come and destroy the hypocrites. Back to Isaiah, he says, For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. So there's repentance now within this, this uh, cohort or this segment that is realizing we've caused this on ourselves. Our sins testify against us. So cry aloud, spare not, show my people their sins. Somebody's getting it. And they're saying it's because of our transgressions that, 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 that we've caused this to ourselves. That they're able to see like all the abortion and adultery and idolatry and murder and lying and deception. He says, for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. We know our iniquities. We know all the falsehood that we've been promulgating. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speak so we are giving up the Christian foundation. And people have no idea the benefits to the West of that the, the, the Bible has brought, that the whole Western civilizations have been based on these Judeo-Christian principles. And now they're throwing them away because they do not understand. And God is doing this. God, they, God, they're bringing this upon themselves. That when this notion that all human beings matter, that all human beings are created in the image of God and need to be treated with dignity, when that gets rooted out, oh well, we're left with communism, we're left with Islam, and the history of what, and atheism, and the history of what these ideologies have brought. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And this is just going to get worse and worse. We're seeing it all around us now. People have lost faith uh, that everybody's just full of lies. And judgment is turned away backward. And justice stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yes, truth fails. And he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. So if you're not with them, if, you, if you're not with their, their ideology, then they turn on you. If you dare, you know, you think of the Covington High School boy, 16 years old, he just happened to wear a baseball cap that said, make America great again, and they just turned on him. And you could tell, listen, listen to him, how he talks. He's trying to be a decent human being. He certainly conducted himself better than everybody involved in that scandal. So the, the good is despised. Yes, truth fails, and he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. 
And you know, a lot of people, because uh, Donald Trump has backbone, and he's a fighter, and he wants America to win. And so unfortunately, a lot of Christians think that Donald Trump is some kind of savior. And you know, in a way, people see him as a Cyrus, and yeah, okay, he's a flawed human being. And yes, he's fighting, but if he wasn't fighting, if he didn't have this fight on his hands, he still has a corrupt heart like everybody else. And so he's, he's not the savior. And we need to just see, we need to be grateful that he's actually fighting for the, he's a patriot, and he's fighting for his nation. That's a good thing. But as Christians, we can't believe that he's our savior. When God evaluates the situation, and certainly he'll be gone soon. And once he's gone, I don't know if there's anybody else that has that, that, that thick skin to put up with all of this that he's going through and to fight. It is a very um, strange or, or unique, I should say, uh, person in the sense of what he's putting up with while he's still fighting for America, but he's no savior. And he'll be removed soon, one way or the other. He's not going to be there forever. So God looks at the situation of, of the Israelite nations, the Israelite people, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, because there was nobody, therefore his, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. So this is why the Messiah came and this is why the Messiah is coming back because there's nobody else that can save his people. And he's made a promise to Abraham that the whole world will be blessed through his people. So because of that commitment, that covenant that he's made to Abraham, he is going to find a way to make Abraham's seed successful. And when he looks at Abraham's seed, there's nobody. And so he says, I'll do it. And so therefore his arm brought salvation, excuse me, his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness, it sustained him. And then we see that he's a warrior. He's coming to fight for his people. And so he says here, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. So he is coming to fight. He sees the evil. He's allowing it. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. And so he, God prepares himself for battle. And it's kind of, you kind of can see where Paul, when he says, put on the, the whole armor of God, you can see how he's leaning or being inspired by this scripture. So God is, is coming. He sees that there's no help for Israel. There's no one to intercede. So he says, I'll go. And he puts on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. And he was clothed with zeal as a cloak. So he really wants to do this. This is a passion for him. He's clothed with zeal. And so here now, this zeal, we see it quoted in chapter 9. I'm a, familiar, a scripture we're very familiar with. That the, the increase in his government and peace, there'll be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice, with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. And what's going to accomplish this? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is something that God is... So it's not that his hand is shortened. It's just that this is a process. And we have to go through this process. But God truly, really wants to, to establish Israel in the land and to establish the kingdom of Israel in the earth. This is something that he's passionate about and he's going to do it. But Israel has to be punished first. 
Verse back to Isaiah 59, verse 18. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries. So this is amazing. People thought that they could go on like this forever. That there would be no end to their uh, grabbing of power and wealth. And God has been watching this. And he's going to act. He says, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries. So his adversaries are the adversaries of Israel and Judah. God says they're his, they're, he takes it personally. They are, they are troubling the apple of his eye. And so he considers them his adversaries. And he's coming with fury to his adversaries. Recompense to his enemies. To the coastlands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. So this, this whole army is gonna come in to destroy God's people. And God says that's when he's going to act. And again, we need to look at Zechariah 12 to see what Zechariah says about this situation as well. So this is when the spirit of the Lord shall lift up as a standard against the enemy. And the redeemer shall come out of Zion. So this is what's going to happen. The Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. So these people that are, so somebody is declaring the transgression, the sins of the people of Jacob. And there are people within Jacob that as all of this is unfolding, they're hearing the message and they're repenting. And God is coming to them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed's seed, says the Lord, from henceforth and forever. So notice this again. Let's read this last verse here in Isaiah. So God says, as for me, so the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. It's just that your iniquities have separated you from him. Then we have somebody who's declaring the iniquities of Jacob to Jacob. And then we have those who are hearing this and they're repenting. And God says, look, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, my spirit that is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, so that this is a prophecy that God is going to put his words in, in the mouth of Israel, they shall not depart out of your mouth. So Israel was always meant to be the head nation, the kingdom of priests. And when God does this, when he finally acts and puts his words in their mouth, they shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed. So this is again going back to Deuteronomy 30, the foundational prophecy from Moses. This is it being fulfilled here. Nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed's seed, says the Lord, from now on and forever. This is it. Once God comes and establishes Israel, Israel is established forever. And again, Paul quotes this in Romans 11. He says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So don't believe anybody who's teaching that God has forsaken Israel and God wants to destroy Israel and God is now covenanting with another people. God is done with Israel. He's now covenanting with the Arabs. This is false. This is, has nothing to do with the Bible. 
God's word, he never goes back on his word. And so he's covenanted with these people. And when he comes, he's coming to establish Israel as the head nation. And he's going to fill them with his spirit and fill them with his words. And from that point, for, from that point forward forever, they will never depart. They're going to, it's going to be such a wholehearted repentance and a true covenanting with, this is the new covenant, uh, with, with God, that they will never, ever re reject him again. And so God is coming to turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is what Paul is teaching. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. So Paul is quoting Isaiah, and he sees under, this is what he's preaching. And we'll just end here in Joel, where he says, and you shall know that I am in the middle of Israel. This is, this is what God has said, I'm in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord your God, and none else. No one else is your God. You've been turning to false gods. I'm your husband. I'm your God. And my people shall never be ashamed. My people. They, they've been put to shame. And God is saying, I'm going to stop this. And they will never be put to shame again. My people will never be put to shame. But my enemies, I'm going to put them to shame. And they're going to be called the border of wickedness forever. And the people with whom the Lord has indignation forever. But my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that is, upon the flesh of Israel. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. So from this point forward, the, the words of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord will never depart from Israel. This is it. When the Spirit of God is poured upon Israel at this time, it stays with them forever and ever and ever. And this, my friends, is the good news according to Isaiah. This, this is the future. And God is very, very serious about that. So let's, let's end here. And uh, that's Isaiah chapter 59. It's amazing the progress we're making. There are only 66 chapters in uh, Isaiah. And we're going to be at uh, chapter 60, God willing, next week. So with that, I'm going to uh, just include my brother Murray so that we can answer any questions that you may have. Brother Murray, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, Great. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. And I think everybody can hear you as well. Why don't we just confirm that everyone can hear you? Uh, maybe you can sure. just uh, talk for a little bit while I just get confirmation, and I'm just going to get Sure. Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, you mentioned a couple of sermons that you gave. For those who are interested, I did post them, the links on the chat. Oh, wow. Thanks uh, for doing that. So uh, if you are interested, everybody was constantly fighting and search for patient zero is on the chat. And those are about postmodernism and cultural Marxism. So some people may not be aware of what that is. And you really cannot, would you say, Murray, it's impossible to understand what is going on in, in the Western nations if you don't understand postmodernism and cultural Marxism? Yeah, it certainly has been an eye opener as we uh, dig into that. Those two sermons uh, served as a, a good launching point to um, sort of explain what is going on uh, and you see it in the, the politics in Canada, you see it down in the U.S., all that's going on, the Green New Deal, the, the leftists, which really is, is not the Democratic Party anymore, so it's really, this really isn't party politics, this is really an ideology that's, that's going on in the background. That's right, and it's amazing how if you look at the goals of communism from the 1960s, I think there was a document that was found in 1963, one of their goals was to take over one of the, the two parties, if not both, in America. 
Yeah, you had mentioned that a few studies ago, and uh, we did post the link on the on the chat. It's, uh, if you're looking it up, everyone, it's uh, 40, I believe it's 45 goals of the Communist Party, and just start reading them. The first t 10 or 12 are are a little a little dry. You have to get through them, but start read through them anyways, and then starting about 13 or 14 and read through to the end. It's it's stunning. It's like like watching the news of what's going on over the last uh, three to four years. It's pretty amazing. So, Maria, maybe any thoughts or comments from you while we wait for some questions? Sure, yeah, a couple of highlights from the last month. I think we, we got together and did this about a month ago. In the interim, uh, a few things that come to mind uh, was the study that uh, the, the, the uh, standalone study that you did on GOG and MAGOG. Uh, I thought that was, that was uh, a highlight of the last month, and I appreciated the question from your sister Christine that asked that. And, um, uh, again, as I mentioned before, that's absolutely related to the book of Isaiah, uh, but certainly as a standalone, it's a good explanation. And it's amazing uh, how these amazing how these questions. Sorry, Mar, It's amazing how these questions just allow us to dig deeper and, and you know link everything together because the, the Bible truly is a fully integrated text. Absolutely, and uh, you, I think you're uh, doing a good job pointing that out as you. Uh, talk about Isaiah, but then relate. I, I don't know if you've actually got every single prophet into the study that, so far. That's, that's actually my goal. Weeks, but I'm pretty close. <laughs> that's my goal because I said it said before. I said this last week. You know, Mo Moses gives the foundation of prophecy. Isaiah gives the breadth of it, and so all of the prophets are going to build on Moses, but they're all going to fit within Isaiah. And if if we find that we're not building on Moses and we're not fitting within Isaiah, then we don't have the right understanding. Absolutely correct. Uh, we do have a question here from Brother Ray. Um, he says uh, a while ago we were discussing the extra days in mentioned in Revelation. Uh, could this really mean nothing more than these events occur during the intercalary year, which uh, we're actually in an intercalary year for right now as we speak? Uh, can you just ask that again? Um... Sure. Um, uh, we, a while ago we were discussing the extra days mentioned in Revelation. Could this really mean nothing more than these events occur during an intercalary year? That's an interesting question. We, I, I wonder what you your comments are on that, Murray. I don't really have a thought on that. Yeah, we may have to take that one away, uh, Brother Ray, and uh, come back to that next week and just do a little bit of research on that. Very good. And I see here a comment from... Uh, uh, it's gone now. It was, on, it was on Facebook. But somebody says that they have uh, lived under communism. And so, you know, a lot of these young people who have no idea what communism is and they think it's something wonderful, uh, for people who have actually lived under it and understand what it is, um, we, we've got to speak out. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there's that old uh, saying that uh, those who forget their past are doomed to repeat it. And I, I think you see that in the education system today where uh, kids aren't being taught uh, properly. And it's being, you know, it's being run by the the, the Marxists uh, for the purposes of of uh, muddying history. Um, and when it's presented something like communism, when it's presented just this the the, the veneer layer, uh, yes. of course it sounds good. You know, yes. everything's equal. Everybody has a fair share until you understand the, the evil that's behind it. Exactly. exactly. It, it's only good with its if it's a theocracy led by Christ. Exactly. And then, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the only that's the only um, world government that we trust is is Christ's. 
the other, as we're waiting for more questions, the other uh, um, item that uh, really stood out uh, this month was um, Isaiah 53 and the connection to Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Oh, great, yes. And what are your it's thoughts really, or comments on that? I, it just stood out that, that um, um, God fears uh, become part of Israel when they commit to the God of Israel, regardless of uh, regardless of blood background. Uh, right. Obviously, obviously, going forward, Israel will have a chance uh, to come back in, as, as the entire Book of Isaiah is explaining. But um, for those who want to be part of the covenant now, regardless of blood background, uh, you must commit and adhere and follow the exactly. God of Israel. Exactly right. Yeah, that's uh, and I, I had never made that connection before with um, the eunuch in Isaiah 53, or the eunuchs in Isaiah 53, and uh, Philip, and just, I think, making that, I was, what happened was, uh, I do a study on Sundays, uh, with the, I'm on the book of Acts, and I just happened to be on, I think it's chapter 8 of Acts, while I was preparing for chapter 53 of Isaiah, and suddenly I just saw the connection, so, and, and I think it's a very powerful connection. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, again, it speaks to, and we we discussed this a little bit on the uh, the chat in writing, uh, but we didn't really talk about it on, on live here. But um, we had done a, a message uh, locally on Lamez, which is the concept of of uh, hinting at uh, throughout the New Testament where Christ and the apostles hint at items that were covered by the prophet, the law, and the prophets, uh, and they did so in such a fashion. Uh, because uh, they were really speaking to those who really knew their Bible. Exactly. Um, and it's fascinating uh, that we did that message, and uh, it's coming to life throughout the, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah right. and how we see it covered throughout the, the New Testament. It's, so, it's quoted so often, and I think in the past, maybe without that understanding that you've brought, we would just think of the one phrase that's quoted and not go any further, when in fact what we should be doing is going back to the text and looking at the whole context of that particular quote. Right, and we've, we've uh, said time and time again that context is key, yes. and that's really what that concept does, is it? Uh, it's not just to be read over and go, oh yeah, I think that's somewhere back in, in Isaiah. No, it, it forces, it, it, the intent is to force you to go back and, and read the whole thing. Very, very good, that's right, right on. Any other thoughts, uh, comments, or questions there, Murray? Um, yeah, I suppose just one more, uh, and it's really uh, just to bring the, the topic of the repentance of Israel to um, to today is just a reminder that it's, it's a really good lesson for us as we prepare for the Passover. Yeah, very good. To be reminded of the need to, to uh, really uh, examine ourselves, examine our place in the body, how we interact with each other, uh, where we're, we are dedicated to. And uh, there's an interesting... Uh, statement I read this week um, that said, are there, is there, and it was through a, from another church group, um, it said, is there anything in Egypt that you're proud of? Uh, uh, that's a great question. Wow. And I, I think that's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating question yeah. that each of us should ask ourselves. And you know, uh, with Satan, when we look at his devices, and we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices, and we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and how he, he destroyed Eve and Adam, but, but he got to Eve through self-interest. That he, his, his appeal to her was, here's something that will be good for you. Here's something that will make you wise. And she fell for it. And we as Christians should not fall for self-interest. 
we should not in fact uh, peter says that we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust what is lust lust is self-interest i want something for myself and again when we look at this thing with uh, jussie smollett this week this guy had 16 felonies against him and the investigation that the chicago police did was so thorough the evidence was ironclad this guy was on the way to prison and all of a sudden all the charges are dropped and and why oh because he's done so much for his community this is postmodernism. this is saying that you know we we have to tear down white patriarchy which is code for um which white patriarchy is code for christianity and so we need to tear down christianity and the way that we do this is we we have all these identity groups and we empower the identity groups and the identity groups can do no wrong and so because he happens to have he's black so this is a minority this is a, a an identity group he's homosexual and he's done so much for the lgbtq community that hey we'll just drop the charges and I, I'm, I'm really hoping by now that there is no single black christian that has anything to do with the filth of black lives matter i think when it first came out okay we can get seduced i'm black black lives matter yeah i'm going to be for this this is the work of the devil and we should have nothing to do with it i can't be any clearer yeah, and a good point uh, about the Jesse Smollett uh, case and the, the, the staggering turn of events that took place yesterday. I did hear this morning that the uh, attorney, gen the state attorney general, uh, his campaign was was sponsored by George Soros. Yeah. So that certainly wasn't a surprise. To the tune of four hundred thousand dollars. Indeed, this is something else. We do have another question here from our brother Rick, um, and it's in regard to Isaiah fifty nine verse two. Um, and also I'll just read it here. Uh, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And his question is, is that still applicable today? Do you want to take that one, Murray? Uh, sure. Uh, again, in, in context of, of that this is written to Israel, uh, it, certainly, uh, it certainly seems that it absolutely is applicable today. Uh, they certainly, uh, God has, has hidden himself from the nation of Israel, from Jacob, and uh, that's what the entire book of Isaiah's point is, is preparing us for, is the opportunity for us to, uh, uh, those who, as you, as you stated today, those who are aware of these things, to be able to point them to the God, to their God, and show them that, that he, is, he is there for them again as long as they repent. So yeah, I, I would say absolutely for sure. And I think this whole notion of cry aloud, spare not, uh, show my people their sins, I think that um, this is going to become increasingly difficult. That the nations of Israel and the people of Israel, as well as the enemies that are amongst Israel, are, are going to become really impatient and intolerant. And the Bible is going to be declared hate speech. And quoting these prophets is going to be considered hate speech. Uh, quoting the Quran will be wonderful because that's just a beautiful thing because it's against Christianity. And if you actually study it, uh, there's no more hate-filled document. That's, there's just no more hate-filled document than this document. Uh, but it'll, be, it'll get a pass. And in fact, I just want to share a, a video. Um, and it's really tragic what happened in New Zealand by this nutcase that um, slaughtered these innocent people. And, and, and it's just words fail for how tragic and how evil this is. 
but the response from the leadership in New Zealand is just wrong. And I don't know if, if you've seen this, but I'll just uh, share this here. The Prophet Muhammad said, The believers in their mutual kindness, compassion, and sympathy are just like one body. When any part of the body suffers, the whole body feels pain. New Zealand mourns with you. So, so yeah, of course we, we mourn with these innocent people who've been slaughtered. But to have this woman put on a hijab and stand up and quote the Prophet Muhammad to New Zealanders, and, and it's not just the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it's not, not even peace be upon you. And, and you know, English speakers think he say that we say peace be upon you. But Sallallahu is quoting Allah. So somehow Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we drop the Allah when we say it in English. We say, peace be upon you. But what she's actually saying is, Allah praise Muhammad. So Allah praises, Allah prays upon and praises Muhammad. So Muhammad is really the God of Islam. And uh, that hadith that she quotes where she, where she says, the believers are one body, uh, she actually misquotes the hadith. And if we look at actually what the hadith does say, and I'll just uh, quote it here. And again, we're, we're, we're dealing in English, but this would be a better uh, translation. And, and we really can't trust any English, any, any Islamic text in English is basically a sales brochure. But he says here, this is the hadith that she should have quoted. She's saying, you know, the believers are one body and when one suffers, they all, that's, that's actually what Paul said. What Muhammad said is, the parable of the believers in their affection, mercy, and compassion for each other is that of a body. When any limb aches, the whole body reacts with sleeplessness and fever. This is actually a threat. This is not saying that when one part of the body is, suffers, the whole body suffers with it. This is saying when one part of the body suffers, the whole body reacts with sleeplessness and fever. And so she completely misunderstands uh, this hadith that she's quoting. She thinks that she's a believer. And we're all believers together. No, believers are Muslims, those who submit to Allah. And they are merciful with each other and harsh and bitter against all kafirs. So she really doesn't understand what she's quoting or what she's doing. And again, the sword is on the land. All these Israelite nations are bending over backwards to throw away Christianity. And they don't understand what's going to replace it. And, and, and the, the Judeo-Christian foundation of our civilizations and the benefits that we continue, even though we've abandoned it, it's so deep-rooted in the foundation of the culture that we continue to benefit from the biblical influence on these nations. But this is getting rooted out. And, and wait till we see what it's replaced with. Absolutely. Uh, and just a related uh, question here uh, uh, relative to the, the topic of Islam. That uh, comes from Brother Ray, and uh, he, he comments that there appears to be a split among Muslims, some becoming westernized. Do you think this is a real happening? Oh, yeah, it's definitely happening, because as Islam gains traction, so we don't understand Islam. We are born in an era that's really the uh, British American Empire, the era, the era of the British and the Americans. And so we were born... And we just look around the world, and even in the Middle East, and Britain and America have been dominant. 
if we could actually look further back in history, this is a very recent phenomenon. And the Ottoman Empire was the dominant force for the most part of the Middle East and, and into Europe and, and for, for, for hundreds of years. And it collapsed after World War I. And that death of Islam after World War I, then it gave then then Britain and France and America, all these Western powers came to power. And we've grown up under these Western powers, which is a hiccup. And now what we see is Islam is, is resurrecting. It's coming back to life. It's rising up again. And we don't understand it we don't, because we, we don't look back in history. So we don't know what this is. And we just think that all things will continue the way we understand them. But as Islam rises up and the true Islam begins to show its face, like ISIS, that we actually see what Islam is, that when, when decent human beings who are born Muslim uh, begin to see this kind of slaughter and brutality and hypocrisy and deception, that they say, you know what, if, is this Islam? And they're shown the text. They've never read the text, but they're shown the text. This is Islam. That then they say, you know what, I don't. And now they're listening to Christ. And they, they like what they hear. And they convert, but many times it's secretly because they'll be put to death if it's known that they, they are apostates. So there is this, uh, this spreading through uh, these Muslim nations of Christianity. Unfortunately, it's not the true Christianity, but they're turning away from Islam and they're turning toward Christianity. Others, because they're drunk on power, uh, they're, getting, they're doubling down and they're becoming more intense in their devotion to the teachings of the Quran, the Hadith, and the Sunnah. So, so yeah, so to answer the question, this is legitimate. And, and in fact, if you look in Revelation 7, you see all these tribes from all kindreds of the earth in this wholesale repentance and turning to God. And you see in Isaiah 57, or it was 56 that we were reading, where he says that, uh, don't let the stranger say that the Lord has separated me from his people, that the stranger and the unit that repent, God is going to accept them. And so this stranger, there are many Muslims that have even terrorists that have been persecuting the Jew. And then they come to realize this is wrong. And they repent wholeheartedly. And God says to them, don't say that I've separated you from my people, that the one who keeps the Sabbath and pursues justice and righteousness and repents wholeheartedly, they're going to be included. Yeah, completely agree. And uh, William makes a comment more than a question uh, that he thought it was strange that Muslims, Catholics, and Christians were all praying together in one voice. But again, you, uh, if we go back to the uh, studies in Revelation and the, and the beast of the sea and the beast of the land, that the, the religious beast supports the political beast. And um, we'll see. Uh, it'll be fascinating once the, the uh, religious beast realizes that the political beast is, will kill them and all the items that, that they stand for, all these uh, Marxist items that, that Islam hates, um, that they, they, will, they will turn into the enemy at some point. They're just waiting to, uh, to have, have uh, power here, for sure. Exactly. On Facebook, um, Narf Akizab uh, makes a couple of comments here. One, he posed the question, what do people who endorse the murder of 60 million babies know about justice? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, how can you expect to have justice from these people? So these are the legislators and they're they're supporting 
the slaughter of human beings, 60 million babies. So are we going to look to them for justice? Uh, I think that's a great question. He says here, many of God's servants had to go into hiding or flee for their lives. Uh, and that's true throughout history. And then he says, no Muslim prayer vigils for murdered Christians. Exactly. You know, uh, that's because Christians are not human beings. And this um, woman that's in Congress now, Ilhan Omar, there was a reporter that confronted her in the halls of Congress and asked her uh, about Donald Trump and her opinion about him or something like that compared to Barack Obama. And her answer was, and most people don't understand this answer, her answer was, uh, um, there's a complete difference. I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing. She says, one is human, the other is not. Mm. So Donald Trump is not human, but Barack, Obama, yeah, but Barack Obama is. And yeah. you have to understand this from uh, a, an ideological perspective, that Barack Obama is the son of a Muslim. That may, mm -hmm. automatically makes him Muslim. All children of Muslims are Muslims. And so therefore, he's a human being. Donald Trump is a Kafir. And therefore, he's not human. He's dehumanized. And so when she speaks like that, because people have such a hatred for Donald Trump, they like, yeah, he's not human. But they don't understand what's behind this. And if you're not Muslim, you're not human either. And therefore, under Sharia, you are treated totally differently than how Muslims are treated. And so these people who are encouraging Ilhan Omar, who wants to bring Sharia to America, and, and these Muslims want to bring Sharia to the West, you, you better study Sharia and understand what it means. So this comment by um, Narf that says, no Muslim prayer vigils for murdered Christians, of course not. Murdered Christians are not human beings. So everything you see happening in, in uh, Nigeria and around the world, who cares? God, God hates the Kafir. He wants to see the Kafir slaughtered. We have another question. Um, just changing, uh, just angles here a little bit from uh, JD. That uh, The question is, what is the standard? Referring to chapter 59, verse 19. Um, so I'll read it first. Uh, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And the question is, what is the standard that the spirit of the Lord lifts up? Yeah, it's a very good question. I, I, I just hesitate to answer. The way that I would interpret this is he's coming as a man of war. And this standard is some sort of symbol or flag or emblem that signals he's coming as a man of war. And so this is causing the enemies to flee. So let me just read the, the text again. Uh, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the West. Yeah, so, so actually if we go back to, um, it really goes back to verse 16. So God sees that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought him salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. He's coming to fight and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, this is the deeds of the, the enemies of his people that have been punishing his people. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, re recompense to his enemies. To the islands he will repay, recompense. So shall they fear, that is the enemies, will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, so the enemy thinks they've got the upper hand, they're going to come in like a flood, 
the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So again, the way that I would interpret this is it's some kind of indication that the Lord is here and he's ready to do battle. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. So again, it's not just Zion he's saving. He's going to say it's, it's a time of, it's even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And this is when God comes to save him out of it. Did you have any thoughts on that, uh, Murray? Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. Uh, the I, I wonder if, uh, to add just one small point to that, if uh, it's referring to Christ himself. Uh, now, we're not, uh, I personally am not a sacred names believer, but I believe that the, the items that describe the sacred names are really there to describe God for us. And there's one, Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord is my banner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that Christ is coming with his, his host of armies. And uh, this just, I completely agree that this is about the, the army of Jesus Christ and, and, you know, go back to Daniel and it's the, the kingdom that will come and crush all kingdoms. Uh, but I just wonder if perhaps that standard or banner is, is Christ himself. Uh, uh, but either way, it's, it's definitely to announce that uh, um, Christ is coming to, to establish his kingdom. Very good. Good question. Uh, no other questions. Uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, what I would say as we pause here and sort of uh, look back uh, from chapter 40 and, and this good news, proclaim this good news, that unless we understand God's focus on Judah, his focus on Israel, and his plan for Israel and Judah, physical people on the physical earth, that without that understanding, that it's very difficult to understand the prophets. But once we understand that God is fulfilling prophecies and promises that are ancient, that are specific to physical human beings on the earth, that are descended from Jacob and descended from Abraham, and that Christianity is a part of this process, but I think in in many other traditions, and maybe even among some of us, we've thrown the concept of God's promise to the physical nations of Israel. We've thrown that out the window. We've made it all about the Christian in a spiritual sense. And then it becomes very difficult to understand these prophecies and these scriptures. But if we say, no, God has not forsaken Israel and all Israel will be saved, everyone who turns from transgression, and there will be physical people on the earth called Israel, and they will be the head nation, a kingdom of priests, and that we as Christians are our first fruits in a process that ultimately these people will be included in forever. This is they, they are the fall harvest. We are the spring harvest. And God has not for, forsaken Israel. That all of a sudden, as, as so maybe it's a bit difficult to make that shift, but when we make it, all of a sudden we can go to any scripture, we can go to any prophet, and it all makes sense. What, what do you think about that, Murray? I uh, completely agree. Uh, it's certainly been eye-opening from that perspective. Uh, what comes to mind um, as you're speaking there is, uh, one of the one of the most famous passages in the New Testament is Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, we'd like to quote that, but uh, considering the in context of, of what we're studying here, uh, the plan for God to redeem mankind through Israel is the same and hasn't changed from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Um, and uh, understanding Isaiah's part in, in explaining that uh, just makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, very good, very good. 
Well, Pastor Murray, thank you so much for all your support and for making yourself available this evening so we could answer some questions in a live Q&A. And uh, God willing... And, and to, you, to you as well, I can, there's lots of comments here about, uh, from everyone and thanking uh, for your work for the study. So well, appreciate God. all the hard work you do. Well, praise God. And so God willing, we'll be getting into Isaiah. We're in the 60s beginning next week, so we're kind of rounding the corner, uh, coming to the end of uh, Second Isaiah, and, and really getting us ready with this understanding, I think, to go into Passover with a much deeper understanding of the role of Christ, much deeper understanding of our role, uh, much deeper understanding of the need for our repentance as we preach the need of repentance to Jacob, the, the, the house of Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. And three weeks from tonight is Passover. So wow, it's, it's pitter patter, we better get yeah. ready. <laughs> Amen. All right. God bless everybody. Uh, Jesus Christ, what a great, wonderful God we serve. We, we long for his appearing. And when he comes, we're going to say, this is our God. We waited for him. Here he is. And we will rejoice in his glory and his appearing. Praise God. Good night. Good night.